0: So comfortable. It's a little bit what I want to talk about to you today. Uh, this message has been on my heart for almost a year. Last year, when all the stuff happened, I started watching the news. I'm normally not a news person, and I hardly ever, ever looked at a story online or on the news, whatever. Listen to it. And anyway, so I decided, oh man, I better pay attention to what's going on in our world. And I started watching, and I was blown away. I mean, I knew we had gotten a little bad, but I had no idea the corruption that had seeped into our nation. And it bothered me. It made me uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable that I began to pray, as I'm sure you guys did, for our nation, because we're not in a good place. And, um, you know, and I know that God uses uncomfortableness to take us to another place, to the place that we're supposed to be. So, Um, Not being uncomfortable is not always bad. But I want to pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, I just thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. God, I pray that you would um, open eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand your truth. God, just guide us um, as we learn about you. God, help us to be changed and be made more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so in Kids Church, I'm going to... um, we're, I'm kind of doing a lesson that we're the lesson that we're supposed to do in kids' church today, but it ties right in. It's perfect. Um, in kids' church, we've been talking about the divided kingdom. Um, we've been studying about the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel, and so I want to catch you up to speed to where we're at. So, um, kids, I'm going to ask some questions. I just want you to shout out the answer if you know it, okay? So, Rehoboam became king of Israel, and when that happened, what happened during his reign? What happened? With Rehoboam. Do you remember that? Come on. You're shy. Ty knows. Ty, what happened? The kingdom divided. So now we have Judah in the south. Judah and Simeon. Those are the two nations down south. And then up north we have ten other tribes of Israel. Who, Kylie, who became the first king of Israel? The divided Israel. Well, Rehoboam was Judah, Jeroboam, good, very good. So Jeroboam was the first king of the divided um, nation of Israel, okay? So Jeroboam, number one, right? And what did Jeroboam do? What did he do that caused Israel to commit sin? Peyton, what did he do? Do you remember? Kylie, what did he do? Huh? You don't remember? I think you guys are being shy. Samson, do you remember? I don't think you were either. Ty, it was while, this is a while back. Ty, what did Jeroboam do? He set up idols. He set up two calves, right? He set up one at the north part of Judah, or at, of Israel, and at the south part of Israel. And what did he tell the Israelites to do? He told them to worship Israel. And he did that because he was afraid. Come on in, guys. He was afraid that the Israelites would go into Judah and start worshiping God, even though God had appointed him the king of Israel. God told Jeroboam, hey, you're going to be king. I want you to be my king for Israel. And then he goes, and he did not trust God enough, even though God had brought him to that place. He didn't trust God enough to keep him as king. And so he set up these two idols that caused Israel to sin, we'll see, over and over and over again. All right, so um, we're going to jump back over to Judah now. Judah has a mix of good and bad kings. There's a lot of good, and there's a few bad. But what happens is they start out really good, don't they? And then they fall away. Um, Last, not last week, but a couple weeks ago, we talked about Uzziah. He's also known as Azariah. Um, Can you guys tell me anything you know about Uzziah? What did Uzziah do? Was he a good king? Yeah, he was a good king. And what did he do, Kylie? He got proud. And because he got proud, he went into the temple, and what did he do? Yeah, he started burning incense. Now, who's supposed to burn incense? Is the king supposed to do that? The priests are supposed to do that. That's right. The priests are supposed to burn the incense. But Uzziah... He had gotten so proud. You see, he was a godly man. He loved God. He worshipped God. He did everything. And God gave him success, but he got proud. And he started doing something that, even though it was a good thing to offer incense, he wasn't supposed to do that. And so what happened to him? Go ahead, Kylie. Yeah, he got leprosy. All right? Now, did Uzziah... Did Uzziah stop there? Did he start being a bad king when he got leprosy? What did he do? He repented. Good job. He repented. He didn't let his sin define him, and he still served God. He finished strong. Um, Uzziah, reign, he had the second longest reign. Um, he reigned about 52 years. Um, like I said, as we studied the kings of Judah, a lot of them start out great. Solomon, for example, you guys all know King Solomon. He was right before, he was David's son. And anyway, he asked God for wisdom. He built God this huge temple. He even wrote three books of the Bible. But he let women, women get in the way. And he strayed from God. He didn't finish strong. I ran in high school. And I remember our coach would always say, yeah, start out good. But how are you, what's your finish supposed to look like? It's supposed to be strong. That's what defines you. It's how you finish your race. Um, so we see this a lot in the kings of Judah. They start out strong, but they let fear. They let uh, pride. They let women get in their way, and they don't finish strong. And I tell the kids that they are starting out great. They're coming to church. They're learning about Jesus, you know, they're being a witness in their schools. They're doing awesome. And, but, I, but I tell them, I remind them that it's important how you finish. Your finish is more important, really, than your start. I mean, your start's important, but your finish is very important. Um, Uzziah knew this truth. Uzziah started out awesome. He sought God wholeheartedly. When he got proud, he got proud. He said he messed up, but he didn't let his sin define him. And he repented and he turned back to God. Um, maybe you're like Uzziah. Maybe you have made some mistakes. Maybe you've let sin have some power in your life. Or you strayed from God. Just don't let that sin define you. There's always forgiveness. There's always grace. Um, turn your life over. Get back on the track. And finish strong. Because that's what, the mo- what, is, what is most important. Oh, I need someone to come up to represent Uzziah. Sorry. Can I have somebody help me? Samson, you want to come up? You just have to stand. You don't have to do anything. Okay. So why don't you stand up here since you're a king? All right. So this is Uzziah. Uzziah reigns um, in Judah, the time that we're talking about. And he's also known as Azariah, like I said. Now we're going to jump over to Israel. So we'll be in 2 Kings chapter 15, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. All right, now, um, King Uzziah sees five kings during his reign, five or six kings during his reign come and go. It's not a coincidence. God blesses his reign. He reigns for so long because he's a godly king. But in Israel, we don't see that because Israel has a problem. All right, um, let's read. Uh, so, oh, I need a Jeroboam, that's why I'm doing. Okay, Jeroboam number two. Can I have another kid come up? You just have to stand up here. I'm just wanting you to see something. Reed, do you want to come up? No? Oh, okay. ah, thanks, Justin. All right, Jeroboam, um Justin's going to be Jeroboam number two. Okay, so there is Jeroboam number one who introduced idolatry. He was the first, but now we're down to Jeroboam number two. He's Kind of way down here. I think he's the 13th or the 14th king. And, um, he, Uzziah comes into king, uh, becomes king whenever Jeroboam number two is reigning. Okay? Jeroboam dies and his son Zechariah, so that's chapter 15, verse eight. Zechariah becomes king. So it says, Zechariah, son of Jeroboam number two, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria six months. Zechariah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, as his ancestor had done. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam and Nebat had led Israel to commit. Okay, so Zechariah, I need another. Can I have a Zechariah come up? Come on, come on, kids. Don't be afraid. Kinsley, you want to come up? Jasper, you want to come up? No. Come on, Jasper. Can I have, do you? Can you adults help me? They're, my kids are being shy. Gretchen, thank you. Yes, Gretchen. All right. Gretchen is Zechariah. So can you stand right here? So you're, we're just going to line up the kings of Israel over here so that we can see. Okay, so now Zechariah is the king. And he does what's evil in the Lord's sight. He reigns for six months. God says that's it, that reign. He would already prophesied before that, that these guys would be gone anyway by this, by your time anyway. You didn't turn from your sin. <laughs> in you. And uh, anyway, so he dies. he's actually usurped, right? So let's look at Shalom. Shalom comes along, uh, verse 13. Shalom, son of Jabesh began to rule over Israel in the 39th um, year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. Shalom reigned in Samaria one month. All right? So can I have a Shalom come up? You stand in front of her. Okay? So Shalom. Alright, one, two, three. So still Uzziah's reign. And now we're down to Shalom. Alright. Uh, so he only reigns one month. Then Menahem, son of Gadi, went to Samaria from Tirzah and assassinated him as he became the next, and he became the next king. So now we need a Menahem. Do I have a Menahem? Alright, William. Come on yeah. out. Okay. So still Uzziah is reigning. Right here, stand in front of him. All right, so one, two, three, four kings. All right, let's read about Manahem's reign. He's actually not a very good king. He's really, really mean. All right, so we're in verse 16. Uh, yeah.
1: At that time, Menahem
0: destroyed the town of Tapua and all the surrounding countryside as far as Tirzah because its citizens refused to surrender the town. He killed the entire population and ripped open the pregnant woman. Now, Menahem is doing this to his own people. These are the people of Israel. Now we've seen the Armenians do it, right? The Armenians and the Assyrians do it to um, Israel. But now we're seeing their own king doing the cruel things that these foreign kings were doing. Okay. Uh, Menahem, son of Gadi, began to rule over Israel in the 39. 39th... Did I read that yet? No. Menahem, son of Gadi, began to rule over Israel in the 39th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 10 years, but Menahem did what was evil in the Lord's sight. During his entire reign, he refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. All right, now, so Menahem dies, and then his son comes, uh, Pekahiah. I'm just going to go with that, Pekahiah. Sound good to you guys? Uh, Pekahiah, son of Minahem, began to rule over Israel in the 50th year of King Uzziah. He reigned in Samaria two years. But Pekahiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Okay, now I need a Pekahiah. Can I have a Pekahiah come up? All right, Levi. Okay, so you'll stand in front of him. All right, Pekahiah reigns two years. He dies because, actually, you're assassinated. Yes, perhaps. All right, and then um, 1527 through 28. Uh, Okay, so Pekahiah did not serve God while he was king. Pekah, son of Ramalia, began to rule over Israel in the 52nd year of King Uzziah's reign. So King Uzziah is going to, This is his his last year to rule. But he sees Pekah come in. He reigned in Samaria 20 years, but Pekah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nabat, had led Israel to commit. So I need a Pekah. Can I have one more person come up? All right, Caden, come on. Okay, so you're a Pekah. All right, and you reign actually kind of a long time but we're not going to talk about your reign. We're just going to have you up here. All right, so look at this. One, two, three, four, five, six kings of Israel to the one king of Judah. So these guys, does God honor evil living? No, he doesn't. It's obvious even in this illustration. Uh, Just stay up here. I know I'm, I'm not done with you. I need you all. All right. Um. Uzziah sees. Okay, so we read this over and over again. But the king did what was evil on the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. What was that sin? Idolatry. He, they refused to turn from that. Um, Jeroboam introduced idolatry in Israel. Every king after Jeroboam continued, none of them. You will read it, none of them, the kings of Israel, ever turned from that sin. That was their downfall. Uh, Perhaps that's you today. Perhaps you have continued in a sin that your parents and your grandparents have done. I believe that God would say to you, stop, repent. Choose to leave a different legacy for your children and grandchildren. Choose to leave a godly legacy for them to follow in. It just takes one person to stop it. Okay, let that be you. Okay, so now you guys can just have a seat up here because I still need you. Sorry. Thanks for helping me today. You guys get extra candy. But not yet. <laughs> You've got to earn it. Okay. All right, now I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. We know that God's not pleased with Israel. And we know one of the reasons is idolatry, but we don't see very much. It doesn't give us very many details in these chapters. So we're going to switch over to Hosea. Hosea prophesied during this time. And in Hosea, it reveals to us the sin that was going on in Israel. Um, Hosea uses a lot of different pictures, right? We know the first one, Hosea marries a prostitute. And so God, you know, Hosea represents God and the prostitute represents Israel and God's love for Israel. Another picture that he uses in chapter 11 is that of a loving father and a rebellious child. And he uses all different kinds of pictures. It's really a a neat book to read if you haven't read through it. I recommend it. Um, Anyway, uh, so God has faithfully loved Israel even in the rebellion. So let's look at Hosea and find out some of the things that are going on. Hosea chapter 4. Verses one through three. So I'm just going to ahead and read that. Hear the word, o or, hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought changes against you. Thing. There is no faith no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land you make vows and break them you kill and steal and commit adultery there is violence everywhere a murder after another that is why your land is mourning and everyone is wasting away even the wild animals, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea are disappearing okay, so we see uh, killing, stealing not keeping your word adultery, murder, violence that's not a pretty picture Okay, chapter 5, 13 through 15. When Israel and Judah saw how sick they were, Israel turned to Assyria, to the great king there. But he could not neither help nor cure them. Is that right? Oh, that's not what I wanted. Sorry. But anyway, they turned to Assyria. They didn't depend on God, did they? That was one of their sins. They turned to Assyria instead of turning to God. All right, um, Hosea 7, 1 through 7. I want to heal Israel, but its sins are too great. Samaria is filled with liars. Thieves are on the inside and bandits on the outside. Its people don't realize that I'm watching them. Their sinful deeds are all around them, and I see them all. The people entertain the king with their wickedness. And the princes laugh at their lies. They are all adulterers, always aflame with lust. They are like an oven that is kept hot while the baker is kneading in the dough. See all of his pictures that he uses? On royal holidays, the princes get drunk with wine, carousing with those who mock them. Their hearts are like oven blazing with intrigue. Their plot smolders. Through the night, and in the morning it breaks out a raging fire. Burning like an oven, they consume their leaders, they kill their kings one after another, and no one cries to me for help. Again, there's a lack of dependence on God. And Hosea chapter 8, 1 through 6, there's a lot more, but. These are just a few. Sound the alarm. The enemy descends like an eagle on the people of the Lord, for they have broken my covenant. They revolted against my law. Now Israel pleads with me, help us, for you are our God. But it is too late. The people of Israel have rejected what is good, and now their enemies will chase after them. The people have appointed kings without my consent, the princes without my approval. By making idols themselves from their silver and gold, they have brought about their own destruction. Oh, Samaria, I reject this calf, this idol you have made. My fury burns against you. How long will you be incapable of innocence? This calf you worship in Samaria was crafted by your own, own hands. It's not God. Therefore, it must be smashed to bits. All right? tree. Okay, but here's the, here's the crazy thing is these Israelites, they think they're okay. You see, they still go to the temple. They still offer God sacrifices. They still celebrate his festivals. They think they're okay. Let me give you a picture of what Israel is. Where did I put my... Oh, they're right here. All right. Ty, can you represent Israel? Come over here. Levi, do you mind being God? Okay, can you stand up? All right, so before the they split, right, Israel... And God, we're kind of close. Can you say hi to Ty? Can you hear him, Ty? Yeah. Can you say, oh, you're awesome, Ty? And you can say, thanks, Levi. You can hear each other. You can talk back and forth, right? But, scoot over. Israel, do you mind stand on the step? Is that true? Introduced idol worship. Right, that was their first sin. They messed up. That was the biggest thing. Now, say hi to Ty. Can you hear him? You can still hear him a little bit, right? Now, uh, but you're not right next to him. You're not going to hear him as much as you've always heard him, are you? No. Okay. And then, well, with idol worship, what's going to be the next thing? Can you scoot over? Justin. They're going to dishonor the Sabbath. Why do we need to come to church? Why do we need to go to the temple? Right? Well, I can serve these other gods too. I can't make it to Sunday, so I'm going to go to this other place and serve God. Now, how far? Can you hear Ty? Can you say hi, Ty? Can you hear him? You can. Just a minute. I'm going to do something else. Um. Before we move on, here's some three three things that I hear a lot why we shouldn't go to church. One, I can worship God at home. Here's some excuses, right? I can worship God at home. That's a good lie, isn't it? That's true. Well, there's truth to that. You can't worship God at home. We've had to worship God at home. Last year we had to, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what the Bible tells us to do. It says do not forsake the fellowship of believers. Right? So we're supposed to come, and we're supposed to make set aside Sunday. It's supposed to look different. And this is the next clue: is Jesus. Let's look at his life. Jesus was the Son of God, and he walked this earth. He didn't need to go to the church, right? But he went to the temple. It was one of his practices every day or every week to go to the temple of God and to worship him. So if Jesus, the Son of God, went to the temple. We should make that a practice in our lives too. But I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys all know that. That's why you're here. (laughs) All right, then the uh, next, another lie is that there's a bunch of hypocrites in church, right? You hear that? I know. I mess up. I'm a sinner. I don't think any of us claim to be perfect. You know, when we get to know each other, we see our sins. Ah, We're not always the prettiest. But there's grace and there's mercy. Again, let's look at Jesus' life. Jesus went to the temple. Every week, when he walked this earth, did But we read in the Gospels how many hypocrites were in the temple then, right? The Pharisees. I mean, he was confronting them all the time of their hypocrisy. But it didn't stop him from going to the church, did it? He still went. Um, but he was the change. He saw the hypocrisy, and he... Made a difference, He made the change. So be the change. If you see hypocrisy, if that's your excuse, be the change. that's what God's asking you to do. And another one is that what was my last one? i can 't find the right church. I've heard that a lot too. And I was thinking, man, I think that is just because you're being too picky. that's a hard issue. We have seven different churches here in Crawford. Now, what, are we, what are we? A thousand people, right? Seven, seven different churches. Surely, within that you know, stretch, you could find something that would fit you. And think, let's look at Jesus. He didn't have all those churches to choose from. And he, went, he still made a choice to go to the temple that he was supposed to go to. So going to church is a hard issue. And don't believe the lies of Satan that tells you all, all these different things that tries to, tries to keep you out of it. Okay, so we've got idol worship. We've got dishonoring the Sabbath. And then um, let's sneak this one in here. Samson. So this is what happens, too, when we worship idols. Child sacrifice. What's our equivalent of that today? We have that. Abortion. In our land. That's sick. You know what? It's a painful thing for people to go through. I've seen it, and it breaks my heart because it hurts the person who does it just as much? It's not a good thing. Okay, so look how far we are from God now, right? We're letting our sin get in. Okay, so now I want you guys just to start saying. I'm gonna start pulling these up. Just start saying your sin. Not that you sin, but just start saying the sin that represents and you start saying it and just say it over and over and over. Okay, and then you just say you're awesome tight. You're awesome tight. But I'm gonna Okay, come on, Keep keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Scoot down. I need some more. Can I have some more help? You just gotta hold the paper. Whoops, oh, sorry. We got cheating. We got lying. We got not depending on God. We got stealing. Keep going. Keep going. Keep saying your sin. Say your sin. Disobeying parents. We've got fighting. We've got human trafficking. They were selling their kids into slavery. We've got adultery. Come on, anybody else? We've got adultery. Trusting in their army. They're not depending on God. We've got murder. Who else? Come on, I need some more. Keep saying your sins. Pride. I've got pride and I've got telling lies about God. That's that's what they end up doing. One more, one more. Come on, all. All right. Keep keep going. Ty, can you hear Levi? Can you hear him at all? You can't hear anything he's saying. Do you see what happens when we let sin get into our lives? We can't hear God. All right, thank you guys. You can have a seat. Good job. And it all started, it all started because they didn't put God first. They put an idol in the place of God, and they didn't put him first, and that was the start, and it just kept going and going and going. So you guys saw that list. It's a big list. And unfortunately, if we look at the United States, I think that's where we're at. I know, I know that's not where we're at as a church, but as a nation, that's where we are at. Um, I don't know. It's honestly, it's our my generation. I was looking at something, some church statistics. They call us the millennials. If you're 41 to 21, you're a millennial. I'm only 40. (laughs) I'm not 41. Um, But uh, 41 to 21. I mean, and look, where are we? There's some of us. There's a few of us, but not very many. I don't know what happened to my generation. We're not serving God. We're not raising our kids up. What's going to happen to the next generation? It, makes me, it bothers me. It makes me uncomfortable. worries me. Um, so these young people, our nation rests on them and their response to God. Will they reject them or will they serve Him? So what are we doing? So my question to do, what are we doing to pour into that next generation? Uh, so I'm a children's youth pastor. You know that. So this is the part where I'm hoping the Holy Spirit is stirring in your hearts uh, a burden, a stronger desire, a, harder, a more of a commitment to reach this next generation. A reminder of those who are reaching out, that keep going, uh, don't stop, thank you for doing your part, don't grow weary. Uh, in our church, there's some practical ways that you can get involved Prayer, Roween and I were talking on last Sunday at Easter about praying. She prays for our kids, and I tell her, thank you, I know that. I know that she's praying for, I have that confidence, and I'm thankful. Thank you for doing that. That's probably one of our biggest battlegrounds. So please pray for our kids. That's huge. Uh, teaching, I'm always in need of teachers. I'm getting ready to start a nursery class in May, or restart, or start it back up again in May. And so I'm going to need some teachers to fill that spot. If you're interested in something like that, come see me. There's a process that we go through, but we always are in need of teachers. I still need another teacher in my little kids' class. So, And I like it if you want to do it as a couple. I think that's awesome. Um, I never have a problem with that. There's meals for the youth. Every Wednesday night, we offer meals youth, or the youth meals. Um, and so if you just, and you don't have to stay if you don't want to. If you can't, if you can just bring a meal on Sunday and say, hey, Tara, can you pop this in the oven? Sure, that'd be my great. What an opportunity to pour into these kids. Pray for them as you fix it or pray for it, whatever. That would be an awesome. So those are just three practical ways that you can pour into our church. There's all kinds of ways. You know, God will stir in your heart like you're supposed to do. Some of you bring your grandkids to church. That's awesome. Some of you um, coach at the school. Some of you, I don't know, I know that you guys are all active. I mean, I know that you're active. Keep it up. And if you're not, find, find a place. Pray about it. What does God want us to do to pour into these youth? Right, so I'm going to finish with this. So in my heart, we're at a crossroads in America. I believe we are in the same place Israel was so many years ago. But let's see what God says to Israel. And I think this is what he would say to us. Um, chapter 14. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all your sins, or forgive all our sins, and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Assyria cannot save us, so our government cannot save us. Our government isn't going to bring the revival that we need. Nor can our war horses. Never again will we say to the idols we have made, you are our gods. No, in you alone do the orphans find mercy. And I just want to jump down to verse 9. Let those who are wise understand these things. Let those with sermon listen carefully. The paths of the Lord are true and right. God's not a fun killer. His ways are are the right way for us because it's the best way for us to live. And righteous people live by walking in them. But in those paths, sinners stumble and fall. Where are you today? Is there a part of the sermon that God spoke specifically to you? Is there a way that you can do more? Um, as you think about this, I wanted to take some time. And I thought a way to close this service is, one, if you want to spend some time at the altar, please do that. Please take some time spend with God about what he has been doing, talking with you today. But I also want to pray for our, our youth, our young people. I think that we should, um, I think we should do that today. So, Walt and Carrie are going to play some music. If you guys want to spend some time at the altar or in your seats or whatever, just praying, um, I'm going to pray over you, and you are dismissed, whatever you want to do. Jesus, thank you for this day. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us. Lord, I pray that you would work in hearts and lives, help our love to abound more and more. I pray that we'd have more depth and insight. I pray that we'd be pure and blameless until the day of Christ.